This week on Basti's Beer Can, Conrad goes on about bribery and bid rigging at one of Germany's biggest companies, before Basti explains in some detail how he would like to physically punish Armin Laschet. In between, there is some musing on the teachings of life. Post. Do did it. News. Thank you very much. Was that inspired by a 70s cop show? It was inspired by so many things. But yes, a bit of that. Uh, Just the general sort of... I mean, why do news programmes have a theme tune? You know? Think about it. And they're all different. Information. uh, But they do have a theme tune, and it's to kind of sort of create drama, tension, fear, excitement... But you'd never know what the news is going to be about. Normally, it's about bad things. So, yeah, I mean, the, in the UK, of course, you've got the famous one with uh, Big Ben. Uh, the, 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 they, they sample the, the, the bell. Yeah. I mean, the, this yeah. is the nine o'clock news. That conveys authority to me. Yeah. Whereas your, your one more conveyed Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to, I tried to sort of jazz it up a bit. Mix no. of genres. That's what the kids are into these days, isn't it? M- mashups. Anyway, I should introduce who you are and who I am. Welcome to Basti's Beer Can. I am Conrad Werner and doing the theme tune as our guest host, as Megan's away still, is Basti from the Crazy Bastard Kitchen. Hello, Basti. Yo, 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 what's up? Thank you so much for having me on a second time in a row. Really excited. We're going to smash it. I'm feeling really good. Okay, good. What beer have you brought for us this week? We've got a beer from a city we know very well, Munich, oh. the capital of Bavaria, Bayern. If you've never been to Bavaria, you must go. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's lovely, yeah. This sparks many uh, childhood memory from you. A drinking the- <laughs> beer. <laughs> I should explain as well, uh, because it'll probably come out sooner or later, that uh, we are brothers and therefore some of this show will include some familial tension possibly going back decades so um be prepared for that yeah so it's hacker hacker how do you pronounce that sure 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 hacker sure hell from the brewery has existed since 1417 Ben. well hacker i believe is one of the six oktoberfest breweries there are only six breweries allowed to sell beer at the Oktoberfest, and I think all of them, obviously, Munich and Bavarian beers. And um, I think Hacker is one of them. So it must a big be. Hacker tent, yeah. It was on uh, offer in Lidl um, for about mm, 79 cents. Is that expensive for no, Lidl? That's fantastic, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Couldn't resist. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's lovely. I think Hellas is my favourite type of beer. I think I prefer it to Pills and Faven. Well, it's just wonderful. I mean, it's so these light. guys have been doing making this since 1417. I think they know what they're doing. I like the kind of lightness of it. It's crisp. 
and um, I enjoy it very much. Anyway, this is actually a special show this week because I have published a huge investigation this week that has lasted me a year and a half, taken me a year and a half. So a beer tastes doubly sweet and crisp than it normally would because um, I finally got this investigation out. Uh-huh. Yes, you've cracked it. You've cracked the case. I've cracked the case, yeah. Just one more thing. <laughs> you've talked to me about it. I believe it's about Siemens? Yes, not only Siemens, but mainly Siemens. And uh, because here's a... Maybe you should... I should have told you this because you could have included it in your report. I live opposite uh, a Siemens factory and the car park, normally it's full at uh, 6am. Hmm. They all arrive and they all finish work at around 2, maybe 2, two or 3 o'clock. Really? The car park's been empty for about two months. Oh. Is that anything to do with you? Could be. But why is that? <laughs> Where are they? The coronavirus, maybe they had an outbreak. Yeah, well, so that particular uh, factory is is for trains. They have a slogan, we uh, we keep trains moving. You live opposite a train factory. Well, you, don't, you know where I live? You don't know where I live? I know where you live. I just didn't know that that There's thing was... There's a Siemens. I know, but I didn't know it was a train factory. No, what, it's not a train factory. They're not <laughs> building trains, but they build sort of signals. Yeah. All that shit. Yeah. Well, I thought that that's why this story would be have like a personal flavour for you because that is often I believe you often take your dogs out to the car park there to have a poo. Not well, not just to have a poo, but to have a play. <laughs> okay, it's fantastic. You were you used to be floodlit, so if I finish work, sometimes I get home at maybe twelve o'clock or even later. Uh, Larry, as soon as we get into my house, uh, Larry starts barking, wants to play time, get the rubber ring. Go out there, throw the rubber ring for about 20 minutes. Brilliant. So practical. Um, but yeah, the, there's no, the, the, that car park's not been in use for weeks now. And um, just wondered if you knew where, why, why that was. Well, they could all be um, tracing my movements. Are you in trouble? Are you in <laughs> danger? Uh, no. What, I've, what has happened? So let me take you back a little bit into the history of Siemens. So not too far, okay. but in 2008, uh, Siemens was the subject of one of the biggest corporate scandals in history when bribery across the whole of the world was basically uncovered by prosecutors in Munich and in the US and authorities in the US. And they got a, they ended up having a fine of $1.6 billion over this huge kind of network of bribery it was basically became it was basically routine for Siemens officials to bribe public officials to get you know contracts yeah. around the world and bribery has only been illegal in Germany for foreign you know for uh, foreign deals since about the year 2000 I think it was under Schroeder's government it used to be just considered a business uh, expense you just have to pay a little bit of extra money. So anyway, there was this culture of bribery that was going on. And in two, two, 2008, they were busted. To, they had to pay a big fine. And they also, had to, they also had to produce what were called monitoring reports. Now, this is when the SEC or the DOJ, they say you have to have a monitor checking on what you're doing for the next four years. And that monitor has to file reports with us saying like what have you what are you doing to improve the culture what are you doing to improve pros- procedures to ensure that c- corruption does not happen in your company 
Okay. But Siemens was allowed to choose their own monitor, and they chose a man called Theo Weigel, who was who lives in Munich, who was used to be the finance minister of Germany under nice choice. <laughs> under Helmut Kohl in the nineties, he was the finance minister for the reunification of Germany. So that was obviously a big job. Yeah, and um, so Theo Weigel was chosen as the monitor, and he produced these four monitoring reports which um were supposed to uh, uh you know like check on what siemens was doing and in- have improvements now one of the conditions of when you have monitoring reports is that they remain secret so that even though they get filed to the american department of justice and the sec the Secur- securities exchange commission they are not allowed to be published or not allowed to you know be uh, details because they are supposed to contain business secrets that's the argument right so this um journalist collective that i've been working with called 100 reporters they sued the doj to get access to these monitoring reports arguing that there's you know the, the public has a right to know how a company like siemens is dealing with corruption and especially shareholders also allowed to know because they invest in this company so they should and be entitled to know what is happening right and uh, after a long long legal battle about a year or two ago they won so um this 100 reporters which i'm now a part of they um got access to these monitoring reports but they were heavily redacted but yet despite their heavy redactions through other former employees of siemens that I was able to get in contact with, uh, I, I, I could learn a little bit more about how Siemens tried to change its culture following the 2008 scandal. And what happened was they basically set up one of the most comprehensive compliance systems in the world, but then kind of more or less ignored it, the procedures. They, they employed a lot of compliance officers, but the compliance officers weren't really expected to find any wrongdoing. And if so okay. I wrote about that's what I've been writing about. But that was only that's only part of it. And then this is happen- still happening over the world. So at the moment, right now, the SEC is on is doing a new investigation into bribery um, in Brazil and in China and in possibly other countries. Uh, not only involving things involving Siemens, but also involving uh, GE, the American company and Philips, which is a Dutch, uh, I bought a Hoover the other day. And what those three companies have in common is they are basically the world leaders in um, medical imaging equipment. So MRIs and CT scanners, Okay. these massive machines. They're like the most expensive things that a hospital will have in the building, probably. They cost like $2 million each. And, um, and you can use them for basically anything. You can use them to diagnose anything. They can they give amazing like those. Um, it's like really m- mad technology now. They can give like really detailed images of what's going on inside a human body. You know, yeah. they use them for like almost any illness. They can use them, including uh, the coronavirus. Okay. So this is where it gets interesting. So the uh, now you're in now, <laughs> now it gets interesting. Yeah. So now with the coronavirus started in early 2020, I like. With the help of the, these a uh, couple of sources and people in in America who I can't name, but they basically taught me how to look at bidding records in China, so that because all the hospitals in China are state uh, state owned and run, okay. so they come under special rules. So when they buy something, they have to um, put things out to tender, and they have to get three companies to um, um, bid 
on every particular contract. So when they want to buy an MRI machine, they have to get three companies to bid. And often these three companies are GE, Siemens, and Philips because they're the only three companies. But there are other companies. Canon does them too. But basically these three things. It's an oligopoly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just wanted to sh- that, that, you know, show that I, knew, I, knew, I know that word. And uh, yeah, so I was able to show because then what I found in the bidding documents and what other people also showed me was that, for example, Chinese hospitals were paying $5 million for a, an MRI scanner, whereas in America they were like $2 million Ooh. off, $2.5 million. And you could see this in lots and lots of, I could see, I could go through all the prices and it was driving me mad for quite a long time, like, like checking all these prices and then trying to figure out how much that machine would possibly cost in, you know, in America or in Europe. And I had to phone all the other companies. So, yeah. So, um, so you, this is what you've been working on. Just, let's just fill the listeners in. You got a wad of cash to research this. Were you bribed? (laughs) Uh, no. It's, what was, was it called? A scholarship? No, it's not a scholarship. It was it's a, a fellowship. A fellowship. Oh, you must have loved that. Yeah, I'm a you fellow. Because you love J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> so you like, I'm a fellowship. Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a fellowship now. I'm a fellow. You're talking to a fellow. And a fine fellow you are. <laughs> so you, you like went off with a load of hobbits. Yeah. And, and looked for... Looked for evidence of bribery in the China's bidding records. And boy, did I find it. So, so this yeah. is great news. We should be drinking champagne, man. Well, yeah, it got published. It got published on um, this website called the 100 Reporters website, which is the group that I was working with, and um, the AP Newsletter Network, which is a, like a, an agency. Put newsletter. it on a P. They put it on a P. So it was quite exciting. And the, then I mean, they, this is a landmark moment for you in your career. I mean, it's good to have. Yeah, it's a good. It's like the first time I've ever done anything like this, so it's quite exciting for and me. And is your name on the on it and that? Yeah, in fact, only my name is on it, which is uh, slightly embarrassing because quite a lot of other people, like there were editors at One Hundred Reporters that helped me, and uh, the Maybe editor you at the McGraw. Give them a shout out right now. Shout out, Diana. She's called Diana. All right. They were like my editors. But yeah. And um, Jane at the McGraw Center, who provided the, 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 the fellowship. And yeah, also like the sources that I, I, I can't, like I had, a, I had a helper, someone who helped me in China, and I couldn't put their name on the article either because uh, being a journalist in China is quite a, like a difficult thing to be, and you can get into trouble if you have your name on the wrong kind of article. Yeah, of course. So put yeah. you in prison. Well, I don't know about Make that, you but... peel garlic with your fingers. <laughs> That's what they do. Is it? Well, um, a lot of restaurants, my my own included, buy. Uh, we don't buy garlic like you normal plebs do, where it's like a garlic bulb, hmm. and then you have to peel each clove. You you buy it in a bag. All the clove, garlic cloves are already peeled. Now, the two biggest countries that supply these pre-peeled garlic cloves are China and Spain. Spanish ones are rubbish because they're messy. Sometimes they miss a little hard bit at the end of the clove. The Chinese ones are, are immaculate. Well, yeah. they're just smooth. They're just, but uh, the, the rumours are, I mean, I think it's true, is that Chinese prisoners are forced to peel these garlic and they're obviously not allowed to use a knife because they're in prison so they ha- they do it with their fingers 
be a hell of a job peeling garlic. Well, they're doing, starting to do this in America too. They're starting to get prisoners to do work. It's actually kind of slavery. Oh no, yeah. I mean, we're not going to. I mean, let, could get into that topic. I mean, yeah, slavery has not been uh, abolished in the U.S., has it? There's shitloads of African Americans in prison being forced to work. Yeah, so that's what I've basically been doing for a year and a half, and I just wanted to point it out because it's something to talk about, isn't it? I think it's great. And what's going to happen now? Well, the... Um, the Slap S- on the wrist for Siemens or another big, hefty 1.5 billion fine? What is happening is that the, the, the these investigations... So the, the, the SEC does these investigations, and they take years and years and years because they have to gather all this evidence, and then they have to go through all the evidence and check if it's true, and they have to channel to all the different countries that are mentioned So in this evidence. So it takes years and years. And then what normally happens, and this and that investigation is going on. It's been going on in Brazil for a while. It's going. It's going to go on in China and other countries. We know this because Philips have to do a a filing. They have to. If you if you're a company uh, registered in America, you have to provide the SEC with information. You have to do these filings every every year. You know, saying what's going on with your company. It's also for the benefit of your shareholders. So in the SEC's in the latest Philips filing to the SEC. We found out that they were helping the um, SEC and the DOJ with its inquiry, right? And into um, tender irregularities in the medical device industry in certain other jurisdictions, including China. So that's what's going to happen. It's probably going to take another three or four years before that. But what will probably happen because companies never get convicted the white collar crime. No one ever goes to jail for white collar crime. What happens is that they do a settlement and pay a fine and in the settlement they don't necessarily have to plead guilty they just have to they might you know there's a, like a negotiation they saying oh if you pay us two billion you can do, you can just plead guilty to you know like not doing your accounts properly yeah yeah rather it, than pleading guilty to um encouraging bribery is so, it, so is it an out of court settlement or is it sort of like michael jackson paying off that kid uh, it's an out of court set. No, it's not like Michael Jackson paying off the kid. I mean, it's like a. It's like Michael Jackson paying the police to to not take it any further. Is what would, would it be? Right. And it, it ensures that no one goes to prison. Also, these companies are so big. Um, like after the financial crisis, and also there was a big Enron a few years before, the Enron scandal. Like certain people did go to prison in those cases. The Enron was like this huge, and certain people did go to prison. The government, the American government, kind of said, "No, oh, we're probably not going to do that again because it's quite a lot of work and it has quite a big effect on the economy." So it's probably better just to get them to sign, saying sign a thing saying they won't do it again, and get a fine, and no one has to go to prison. And that's also pretty much what happened after the financial crisis, which really destroyed the world economy you might remember um (laughs) do you remember that yes i was actually working in finance at the time yeah and i remember uh as it as it was happening i was in the office and my fellow colleagues were just like just couldn't but read reading looking at the uh you know the live stock market ticker and seeing the share prices drop and they just couldn't believe it it was insane crazy days do you look back on those days fondly yeah i mean oh don't regret any of the jobs that i've done and so i think sometimes in the moment 
you might not enjoy something but I always appreciated everything and I appreciate the people that gave me those jobs hmm. because you learn stuff I think you in life you always learn things and you're not aware maybe you're not aware that you're learning something at the time and it might not be so clear what exactly it is that you're learning but you're learning and it's yeah. not always so specific it's not like you've also been an English teacher I believe in Poland am I correct? I have yeah so yes, of course you you improve your own English and you improve your your ability to teach English, but you also improve certain other skills, communication skills, interactive, face-to-face -face skills, nunchuck skills. Did you have nunchuck skills? <laughs> <laughs> it's what you're basically saying is, um, as I believe the Beatles once said, "There's nowhere you can be that isn't where you're meant to be." Yes, exactly. You've probably, you know, learnt a lot from this recent experience, which maybe involved a type of journalism, a type of investigative journalism that you have not done before. And at times it might not have been fun. It wasn't fun. Exactly. But it was you've done it now. You're going to come out, you're going to hang out the back of it and have gained some experience. Like it's going to, it's, it's a life changing thing. It's going to enrich you as a human being. And I think that's fantastic, Ben. Thanks. Congratulations. Yeah. No, it was actually really, like, it was really boring. Because a lot of it was just looking through loads and loads of websites and then having to go onto Google Translate and translating them from Chinese into English and then figuring out oh, what all the numbers meant. Of course, of course. But now you know you can do this. You've done yeah. it. No, it was, I wouldn't say boring is not the word I would use. It was... Um, Tedious, monotonous strenuous it was strenuous. mentally strenuous yeah like keeping your mind on it with all these different like these different websites and stuff yeah there has been other news in germany this week yes <laughs> do you want to hear about that well obviously there was like horrible tragedies earlier like last weekend in western germany there was a lot of flooding did you yeah of course yeah and, um, it's um horrible it was the first time these flooding because these floods do happen fairly often but this was a particularly heavy flood and this was the first time that they were linked to climate change so explicitly in the media yeah okay that's i mean obviously it's horrible what happened but it's good that um the news is now connecting it with climate change i mean uh, if you if you think of the increase in forest fires in uh north america and you know, if you remember Donald Trump being asked by a scientist about climate change and, and he just went, do you remember he went, it'll get cooler, just you see, just you wait. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> do you remember that? No. Do you remember how he said it? <laughs> he was like, hey. said, it's going to get, it's gonna, I can't do his voice, but <laughs> it's going to get cooler, just, just you wait, you'll see. And it was horrible because, yeah. but wasn't there a thing where the, the Chancellor candidate was caught laughing Yes, this is what I was going to get to. Armin Laschet, the head of the CDU, who wants to take over for Merkel in the Chancellery come September, he was standing behind the uh, president, Steinmeier, who was giving like a, a, a speech, a serious speech, but he failed to notice that the cameras could see him, and he was having a right old laugh with a few of his aides and like, it was a really, really big story for quite a long time and it was extremely embarrassing for him and he did a lot of apologies but I think he really did alienate uh, a lot of his voters because CDU voters 
they do not like levity yeah it, like that you know they see that they want they want a professional politician who will speak seriously and they do not want people gadding around actually i went to a visit our auntie this week yeah yeah in Wilmersdorf. now she's not actually a cdu voter but she's pretty close she's actually more of a like a, she's more of a kind of a conservative spd voter if i had to put her anywhere but anyway she was extremely angry about I mean Lashard like I hadn't really registered for me it was just like another oh, it was just another embarrassing politician story but it really for one thing it's like I get most of my news from Twitter these days so I don't really know what you know the CDU demographic watches and what they normally watch is like the evening news and it was featured on the evening news and that made her really really angry and um like the whole the whole spectacle of him and also it was then contrasted a lot in the media with Merkel went the next day and she looked she had like she was she's obviously visited quite a lot of flooded areas in her chancellery because it happens every other year almost it usually happens in eastern Germany but this was a different kind of flooding this is a flooding that came from um this low pressure area which just did not move for a long time yeah because of um because apparently because the jet stream is weakening so because the jet stream is weakening and these these low pressure areas are supposed to move more quickly when there's the wind is going through the the, the jet stream moves through yeah and, yeah um, uh. so it's probably going to happen again it almost certainly will happen again like in the next few years so anyway yeah um, is Merkel stepping down then yeah, this is the last few months of Merkel's. Um, Has she said she's not? She's sad enough. Yeah, that's a shame, isn't it? Why did you like her? Yeah, I got. I think it's hard not to like her. The problem is that she is was always like she was the environment minister under Helmut Kohl, and she used to talk about climate change back in the nineties. And you'd think, then when when she becomes chancellor, she would have been able to, you know the issue more than she did and changed like because she's head of a party which is basically um, very closely linked with all the big German companies this is uh, this is you know something that she would you know be able to do but now and in fact she did a big press conference this week where she said I wish I'd done more about climate change a bit late now though isn't it yeah, I mean, did she? She did some stuff though, didn't she? I mean, just like I think Germany is one of the biggest investors in uh, solar power, and does invest a lot in renewable energies. I suppose so. I mean, that's what they always say. Although but, um, been, it, it's, yeah, it's they also, also been criticised that they. Well, they still subsidise all the the all the coal industry, and especially in a lot of Germany, they have the brown coal. This um, this it's called lignite. This sort of um, this it's not like it's like it's not like the black coal that it's you get from coal deep coal. It's, yeah. it's sort of more shallow coal, and it is much worse than coal for the um, the environment. And there's still loads of like functioning lignite. Um, uh, quarries and mines going on and they are not only they are they like uh producing this uh, the, an awful lot of co2 they also um devastate the landscape much more than wind turbines do if you ask yeah. me yeah <laughs> but so we do still that and and you know and especially in there, there's a lot of them in 
North Rhine-Westphalia, which is the state where Armin Laschet is the still the state premier, and he has a reputation for like uh, protecting the lignite and coal industries in his state. He was like, you know, this is a state where they cut down this one of the most ancient forests in Germany recently. Oh God! And is he going to win? Yeah, the CDU definitely going to win. Probably, yeah. Any chance that Gregor Gysi could win? <laughs> he's not even. He's not a. I mean, he'll probably win his little election, the one you're Oh, in. yeah. Well, he's so, definitely going to win that. <laughs> you'd think so. No, he, he has, he's never... Uh, you need to understand. The people of Treptow. is an attitude. Yeah, yeah, it's a vibe. And one of the vibes is... Gregor Gysi embodies the Treptow attitude. Right. Treptow Kerpenick, it's, it's going nowhere... And but uh, unfortunately, he's no longer the leader of the Linker Party. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's he's like. Uh, well, that means that he can't become chancellor. It doesn't matter. He'll lead from behind. He'll like lead. He'll lead. He's like the puppet master. Right. I mean, he's still very popular. So you never know. Um, I'm trying to think of an example in popular culture. Um, perhaps Sir Bobby Robson when he was at Barcelona and Louis van Gaal became manager and he was sort of in the background. A bit like that. Yeah. I suppose he, that could well happen. We'll, we'll never know. At the moment, it does look like Armin Laschet will become the next Chancellor oh, of Germany. Oh, shit, isn't it? And yeah, that I'd is... love to just slap him in the face really hard. Why do you, do you hate him that much? No, I just, just just slap him in the face. <laughs> just don't just, you laugh at people. Just a real good slap, yeah. like like in a public square with a cabbage. Yeah. Slap him oh, with a cabbage. Just a an open palm slap. Oh, okay. You won't get away with it. You won't even get close. He's surrounded by you know. No, if it was like allowed, you know, if it was like a. A public slapping that like that was his punishment for laughing during that speech. I mean, and, and the they thing chose is, one random citizen of of Germany, <laughs> yeah, and I was just the lucky one. <laughs> and I and then we're in this square and it's just a public slapping, uh, perhaps minimal press, uh, but you know people can attend. Would would it be allowed to be filmed? Yeah, but sort of in a tasteful way. You know, yeah, how would you film it? So uh, it would just be, you know, it'd be very sort of, it wouldn't be given over to like RTL or Zat Eins. It'd be like ARD, and it would be, it wouldn't have, you know, it wouldn't there wouldn't be like sort of a build up to it. It would just be like on Tagus Schau, say, okay, and now we're, we're going to Alexanderplatz to witness the public slapping of Armin Laschet is that his name? yeah for laughing and for laughing during that speech uh, the person chosen to slap him was chosen randomly uh, uh, through a sort of system you know a random yeah. system of, of Germany was chosen the person chosen to slap him was Sebastian Knight um, we're now going over live to Alexanderplatz to witness the slapping and then it's just you know and then there's like maybe like a Policeman, I said, um, Herr Knight, bitte. 
äh, treten Sie auf, auf der Bühne <lacht> und äh, Herr Laschert, bitte bewegen Sie sich nicht. <lacht> Sie, Herr Neid, Sie dürfen eine Watsche aufs Gesicht platzieren mit vollem Kraft. And then there would be Herr Neid, no, like, fang, fang, fangen Sie jetzt an. Fang, los, loslegen. No, they wouldn't say that. How would they say it? Sie dürfen jetzt anfangen. anfangen. Okay. I think in a funny way, Laschet would probably prefer that to, because then it would be over and people and his voters would uh, perceive him as someone who had, you know, been through his, he'd, he'd got his punishment and then they would like more, be more ready to forgive him. Now it's just going to kind of be, be this painful thing that's going to pursue him. Yeah, and just to explain my technique, what I would do is I would, I would sort of spread my legs uh, a little bit, sort of like a power stance. Okay. Uh, bend the knees, and I'd bring my 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 right hand right the way back, so that it's pointing in the opposite direction of Lasher's face. Okay. Mm -hmm. so and then, 180 degree. Yes, arc. So it's a 180 degree arc, and then as I bring it forward, I'm moving the shoulders, I'm moving my my hips fully the, the knees are moving it's a perfect arch think of a golf swing uh, and as I so I got full force and I'm not the target is not his face hmm. it's 90 degrees after his face hmm. okay so I, I just my target is 90 degrees after his face that's where that's what I picture the target to be so as I strike his face You know, I'm not thinking of that as, as the end zone. You're thinking of the yeah. follow through. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like his face is in the way of my actual target. Right. That's how I think of it. That's how I get full force. I'm also going to just, just going to go for the lower jaw area because, uh, you know, a strong hit to the lower jaw area could actually cause him to go un unconscious, you right. know, as what I want. I'm not, right. I'm not looking for oh, you would, some, okay. some kind of black eye or or a red cheek that might look good people might say oh yeah look yeah. at that he's got a black eye i'm looking to actual to, to actual damage okay and whilst hitting him on the lower jaw might not show you know bruising or or such things it will take him down downtown <laughs> uh i suppose it being on ard there would be medics on hand Oh yeah, of course. My God. And would he have a crash mat or something, in case he did? Yeah, fall yeah. Over? It would all be like, yeah, it'd all be totally safe. Safe, you know. Um, mm. And as soon as like I strike him, I imagine there'd be some kind of like sort of MMA sort of referee who would then hold me back just to make sure I don't, I don't follow through and start, right. you know. And you'd probably wear rubber plastic gloves, you know, because you don't want to, uh, in case of infection. Well, we have, probably both have to wear FFP2 masks, and uh, yeah, yeah, I probably have to have a disinfected hand, mm. and he has to disinfect his face. And take his glasses off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah it would just be great. Um, yeah, unfortunately, those types of punishments. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, uh, thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> This was a different one, wasn't it? It was a bit different, yeah. <laughs> what can we? What, what's going on at the restaurant this week? 
So right now I've got two fantastic chefs in the kitchen uh, taking care of business while I'm here. Uh, we're doing Mexican tacos, Ooh. absolutely top quality tacos. The tortillas we use are, are from a, a company called Tlaxcali, which um, I think is the Aztec word for tortilla. I'm not 100% sure. Anyway, they grow corn, bio corn, in Mecklenburg Vorpommern, and then they pound the corn, they grind the corn into flour, and they make these incredible tortillas. And uh, yeah, and then you can come and enjoy the tortillas. We got all the hot sauce, crazy pasta sauce, best hot sauce in the world on the table. Enjoy it. Come down, kids. Next week, salt beef bagels, Fish and chips. Yeah, proper grab. UK style. Come down for that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. 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 <laughs>